0: Well, this was uh, one of those weeks, had one of those days that uh, will go down as a day that we won't forget. It'll be one of those days that you'll remember just where you were when you first heard and uh, all of the stories that have come out of this experience with the I-35 bridge collapse. Friday morning when I got out of bed on my way from the bed to the bathroom, it just hit me that, you know, I I can't do the normal sermon we were going to do this morning. We really need to talk about this. And um, I felt very clearly and actually pretty much got the outline for what I I felt like God wanted me to talk about. It really were the things that that he was working in my heart as I was uh, thinking about these things. So I'm going to share that with you this morning and uh, maybe it will be helpful to you as well. when we heard about it was on uh, Wednesday night, and t- two telephones started ringing at once. First, it was our regular phone, and Karen picked that up, and it was my sister, and so she handed it off to me, and then her cell phone started ringing, and she answered that, and it was her sister calling. And uh, so I'm kind of guessing that's probably what was going on all over the entire United States about that time as families were calling in to homes everywhere in the Minneapolis to find out, you know, how are you guys doing? Are the kids okay? Uh, anybody that you know that was on that bridge when it collapsed? And, and people wondering and worrying about what had happened. Um, and uh, over the last few days uh, also, and, and actually just immediately, other stories began to come in that I began to hear about uh, things of how this began to impact people's lives. I was, uh, this was Wednesday night. I was talking with the Donovans, Melissa, on the phone, and she was telling me that Greg uh, was going to go to work at 5 o'clock that evening, went out to start his car, and his battery was dead. And you can imagine, you know, I'm guessing he was probably pretty upset that his car wouldn't start and figuring I'm going to be late for work, what am I going to do here? Uh, trying to get this battery jumped and started, and then later uh, in the evening, Found out that the bridge collapsed and that he very likely would have been crossing that bridge at exactly that time had his battery not been dead. Uh, And then I was here at the church, I just gotten off the phone, sat in the office, and I was telling that story to Jim. And Jim said, Jim Melkow said, Well, you know what? my mother had invited me to come over to her house to have supper, but he said, uh, Peggy was making homemade pizza, and he said, I love Peggy's homemade pizza. And, uh, so I decided, you know, I don't, I don't, I think I'm gonna skip that, and he went home to eat supper. Had he done that, more than likely he would have been crossing that bridge right about six o'clock to come back home from eating supper with his mom. Uh, Jean Kildow had shared with me that she normally comes home over that bridge after work every day, uh, but this, Wednesday night they decided to go to the Twins game, made the choice to do that, didn't travel over that bridge consequently. Uh, and then also Dave uh, Lindy, it works for our district office. I was talking with him on the phone this week and he was telling me that, hey, every day he, the, the, the district office is right there downtown next to the, to the dome. Um, He passes that bridge and goes over it right after 6 o'clock. Every day he lives up here in North Minneapolis. More than likely would have been doing the same thing this Wednesday had it not been for the fact that his son had a tragic accident. Earlier in the week he went out to Idaho to help his son with that. His son's doing really well. But while he was out there, uh, heard about this thing that happened uh, and felt like God had protected him from it. Uh, Mark Muhon, Austin, Hanley uh, just passed over that bridge just minutes after, uh, the, before the bridge had gone down. They had passed over it and were gone uh, some ways away and just, just barely missed it. Some of you may have gotten the email from uh, Minnesota Teen Challenge. I got a couple of them from a couple of different directions about, about their stories, and they have lots of them. I'm just going to share a couple of them. Their uh, uh, location is just a quarter of a mile from that bridge, and so as you might understand, they drive over it all the time. There was one young woman, uh, Jessica, uh, uh, I guess I don't know how old she is, uh, uh, Jessica, who uh, told me in tears, the guy says, about about how at 6 o'clock last night she was ready to enter the I-35 bridge over the Mississippi, and the Holy Spirit spoke to her very abruptly to turn off the freeway and to go a different way home. She obeyed the Holy Spirit, arguing with Him all the way, since she takes the same route every day and her commute home takes almost an hour. Detouring from the freeway and not crossing over the bridge didn't make sense. And shortly after she detoured from I-35, the bridge went down. Jessica most likely would have been on that bridge. And then another story from them was that uh, their Teen Challenge students, every Wednesday night for three years, they load up their buses and they they caravan over that bridge to transport uh, their men to a local church that they go to every Wednesday night. They leave the buildings at 6 o'clock, and they cross that bridge at approximately 6.10 every week. This week, one of the drivers was sick, and just as the caravan uh, vehicles left the building, a staff who normally drives uh, called one of the drivers to say it might be best if just tonight they didn't go over the freeway bridge, instead took an alternative route, which they did, and they were all delivered from this as a consequence of that. Uh, And then he's got more stories. And uh, I heard another story out in the foyer of another close call. And I'm sure if we took the time, there would be more stories. Uh, And God is good. God delivers. God protects us. And there are probably hundreds of those kinds of stories of God's deliverance and protection of people, of His sovereignty, that God knows exactly what's happened. He knew exactly what was coming. And He protected and delivered His people from that consequence. But, there are five dead and there are eight missing. And that raises another question. That if God could deliver so many of these others and did deliver so many of these others, then why the 13 that died and the 100 others that were injured and all the other cars that were on that bridge when it went down? Why didn't He prevent them from crossing the bridge as well. The story of Sherry uh really struck me. I, I get the impression as I was listening to them, you know, that her husband was on TV much of the week and the two daughters expressing their, their desire that their mother be saved and they were praying for that to that end. But the father expressed his faith that even if she's not, it's okay. Because, you know, I trust in God. I can't remember his exact words, but they were clearly words of, of a deep faith and uh, really, very clearly, these are people of faith. Um, but yet, uh, as I understand Sherry's story, it's just the opposite of these others. Sherry almost never crosses that bridge, and this time uh, it was very unusual. And I don't get all the circumstances, but I get the impression that that you know this was a kind of a special circumstance that put her on the bridge, and then she died because of that. And then there are other stories. There's the story of the Asian mom and her adult Down syndrome son, who was just about to have his 21st birthday, who went off that bridge together, and they're numbered among the missing. And then there's the one that that really bothers me. I mean, Sherry, I can understand. Sherry was a believer. And so I can understand in God's sovereign plan how uh, if God decides that this woman who is now 60 years of age and she's got two grown children and she's lived her life and been obedient to Him and He chooses to use her in this circumstance and He takes her home and He gives her husband the opportunity to give glory to Himself in that circumstance, that I understand. It's, it's difficult and, and there's pain and there's grieving, but I understand it. I can see how God works it into His, his plan and He uses it and I can accept it easily. But this one is hard for me. Uh, There was a a Muslim woman, I think in her maybe late 20s, mid 20s, she was pregnant, and she had her little, uh, I think preschool or, or grade school age son with her in the car. And that car went off that bridge, and she and her unborn child and her son, all three, are now listed among the missing and are presumed dead, and very likely so. What about her? That one's hard for me. How could that make sense? You know, why God? Why, why that one? What were you thinking when you sent this Sadiah? I'm probably not pronouncing your name right. I'm, I don't even think I've got it spelled right. But, but that story touched me when I read about that. Because I don't get that one. I don't understand that one. That one I struggle with, with God. So as I said on uh, Friday morning, I got out of bed and I'm, you know, we're going to do Psalm 140 and I'm thinking, no, we've got to talk about this. And I'm wrestling with these things myself. And so uh, as I'm wrestling, I'm, there are lessons that God is bringing to my mind. certain scriptures and things and, uh, that, that He's been reminding me of that I want to share with you. These four lessons from the uh, uh, Interstate 35W Bridge Collapse. That I would like to share with you, and i 'm sure there are many more lessons, and there may be mo- lots of things that God will teach you, but I just you know I think it 's good that we think about this together and we wrestle with these things together, uh, and that uh, we explore them with God together and to think about what does this mean, and what is it that God is doing and so the first lesson that struck me and it was it 's from luke thirteen it 's one of the first things that came to my mind when I thought of this was what Jesus said. In Luke 13, uh, and this is the passage where they were asking him some questions about some Galileans that had been murdered by Pilate, and they mixed their blood somehow with the sacrifice. And they were wondering about, now, did that happen because these guys sinned? Or why did that happen? That was a horrible tragedy. Um, And and Jesus reminds them of another tragedy that had happened in Galilee. And he said, or what about those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? And so there had been some great tower. It was very much like this. I mean, it's almost a parallel uh, type of thing that happened. The tower of Siloam fell on them. And Jesus said, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? He said, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. And so I think the lesson that Jesus brought from a very similar incident 2,000 years ago is still a pertinent lesson for us today. We live in denial of the fact that tomorrow my life could end. Uh, We live as though life was all there is. And really, it's not about what's happening on planet Earth here right now. This is just a test, this is just a temporary setting that we're put in that will impact all of eternity. This is the test, and so it's it's I think very helpful that we be reminded of the fact that our life on this earth is short, and maybe even much shorter than you think. That it might have been you on that bridge, and there's no, you know, Jesus is very clear here, and I think we should be clear: the people that were on that bridge that died and that were hurt, it's not because they were greater sinners. You know, those of us that were delivered from it are not more loved by God than those that were left on the bridge. And Jesus is clear. It's not about that. That's not how it shakes out. God's not judging those people on that bridge. These things happen. This is the kind of world we live in. It's a fallen, broken world. And these kinds of bad things happen to people. And there is nothing that will necessarily prevent this from happening to you and me tomorrow. There are no guarantees and we need to be awakened to that from time to time and be shaken out of our denial and recognize i got to pay attention to how I live my life because it might end soon. It could have been me on that and so it's important for me to think about what am i doing with what god has given me that's a great slide and it's very appropriate but i didn't expect it right there <laughs> that's good yet i will praise true the second lesson is that it could uh, after it could have been you is this issue of the problem of evil and it's i don't know if it's so much of a lesson as it is a call to us to wrestle with this problem in this context. Uh, the book of Job and Psalms chapter 10 tell me that it's okay to ask these kinds of questions. That it's alright for me to come before God and say about young Sadia, the, the pregnant Muslim mother, uh, Lord, why that? I don't get that. I, that doesn't feel right to me. Why did you let that happen? How does that make sense in the grand scheme of what you're doing? Uh, It just, you know, I can't see how that would all work out. I have those thoughts, I have those feelings, and what Psalms 10 and the book of Job tell me is that it's okay for me to bring those kinds of doubts and questions before God and work it out with Him. Psalm 10 verse 1 starts out like this, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And then this psalm goes on wrestling with the question of evil people and why God allows evil people to continue to persecute and do evil things to other innocent people. Why does He allow that? Why doesn't He stop that? And uh, so a psalm like that tells me it's all right for a believer to ask those questions and to struggle with those things and to seek an answer for it. And you know I've I've got some answers for that. there is, um, I have wrestled with that question with God and I've determined that God is sovereign, that God is good, and that God is in control. And you can list the, kind of those four things real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. God is real. He's totally sovereign. He's good. He is, he is love. God had created beings in His image with the ability to create. It is us beings, angels and humans, who create evil. God is not the author of evil. We are God now works with evil in uh, the the equations that he he works with in this earth. Evil will not foil his overall plan, but God works with it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And as I think about time, I think of it as uh, the great march of time that God's will is unstoppable. It marches through time to his predestined end. Creation, Fall, flood, nations, Israel. The cross of Jesus Christ sits in the very middle of it all. The church age, tribulation, the millennium, eternity that is to come. Um, all of this grand scheme, God transcends it. He transcends all of time and all the things that have happened. And He sovereignly looks over it and, and, and watches over the march of time. And everything that God determines to happen will happen. And yet, there is evil that goes on within that grand march that is against His will. And that's kind of the thing that we struggle with. But the Bible tells me that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. In all things, including the fall of the Interstate 35W bridge, God works. Now, that fall of that bridge was not good. The Bible does not say that things like that are good. That it's not good. It's evil. It's part of this evil fallen world. But the Bible tells me that I serve a God who can take things that are evil, created evil things, created by human beings. And God will take those evil things and cause good things to come from them. Now hold on to that thought because I'm going to come back to it. But now the question I think that many people have in the midst of a thing like this is uh, you know, is God really good? The question was, was raised by uh, the, the death of Julia Blackhawk. Age 32, savage, comes right out of the newspaper. She was going to be a, cosmeto- a cosmetologist. she just graduated. Her dreams were being fulfilled. And now her former husband, who obviously still loves her and cares about her, was there each day at the bridge remembering her. And he said this statement at the bottom. God can be so cruel sometimes. Now I don't, you know, I don't blame him for saying that. But that's not true. I mean, he's speaking that out of his grief, and, and that's that's he's working through that thing. But but it's important, I think, that we notice, note that that's not true. God is not cruel. A cruel, evil thing happened on that bridge, but God is not cruel. God is good. God did not cause the evil to happen, but God works through that evil. To accomplish His will. Now, what I'm talking about here is a sublapsarian, compatibilistic, um, uh, soft determinism, kind of a weak Calvinism. Now you're all looking at me like, oh, you idiot. Uh, uh, there's a label for the answers that I uh, apply to these questions, the question of evil, and Christians differ on this a great deal. How do you how do you make sense of this? Um, but my challenge to you, and I think the lesson is, wrestle with it. Get down and get with God and take your doubts and fears from this and bring it right to Him in prayer and study and meditation and thought and wrestle with it. And it's okay and it's real important that we do that. That we struggle with these questions of how does God deal with evil in this world. It's a, it's a very important part of of our faith life on this earth. Now there's one other lesson that I think uh, um, that I think is a good thing that we're learning and I, I read this, I saw this cartoon in the newspaper an editorial cartoon and I don't know if you can read it very clearly but it's a picture, a map of the United States and all over it these little thought bubbles that are going off where people are saying I hope this bridge is safe. Uh, this thing has done something to us in America, all over America. A thing very similar to when the, the towers fell in New York City. Uh, we have been a very secure and um, you know, a, a group of people who have been uh, very convinced that we can take care of ourselves. we got a good life here. We've got engineers, we've got scientists, and we have put together a, a wonderful world. And uh, we have got a tremendous infrastructure and we have wealth and we have power and we have protected ourselves and we have surrounded ourselves with comfort and safety and we think, you know, I'm doing just fine here. And, you know, mostly, for the most part, I think America is a group of people who think we don't really need God, we can handle this just fine by ourselves until something like that happens. That bridge that every single person in this room drove over in the last year. I'm almost bet on it. We all used that thing. That thing fell right under underneath our feet for no apparent reason whatsoever. And I think the, le- the message and the lesson is a powerful one. And that is we live in a fallen world. It's not safe. This is not a safe world. Bad things happen. Uh, that I-35 bridge is kind of like our Tower of Babel. The human race at that time all gathered together into a city and they began to put bricks and mortar together and they built this great tower. It was an expression of their, um, of their intelligence and uh, uh, their technology at the time and an expression of, the, hey, we don't need God. We can do this by ourselves. And God came in and uh, tipped that thing over and said, you know, no, you can't. I'm in control here. And I think the Twin Towers in New York City and the fall of this bridge are reminders to us that we live in a dangerous and fallen world and as much as we would like to think that we can keep ourselves safe, uh, that's not really true. And human technology... Is a, is a good thing, but we mustn't put all of our trust on our rest in it. We must trust in God above those things. And then lastly, and this is where it all comes together, and that is that the cross helps us trust God in suffering. I've shared this before. You've probably heard me say this before. This this story, but it's very powerful to me. If you can imagine that moment when Jesus Christ stood before Pilate, he'd just been whipped and beaten, and you know the movie just burnt that into our, an image into our brain of Jesus, uh, all torn apart by uh, the lashes that he received. They brought him back before Pilate, and there it stands. And there's this picture, there's this pavement, there's a throne. You know, this is the lifted up, the high place, where the boss is, the Lord, up here. This is Pilate. And down there, that's the criminal. That's, that's the person being judged. This is the world turned on its head. This is the creator of the universe, standing before what was essentially a thug. I mean, he's a real bum, this guy, Pilate. He didn't. He did not deserve to be in the role of judge. It should have been the other way around. He should have been being judged by God, and yet it was all upside down. There was the Lord of the universe beaten and broken, and the flesh hanging off of his bones, and the blood oozing from his body. And here's a thug passing judgment on him and condemning him to death. Now imagine if you're a disciple. Because they were, they were people just like you and me. You're hiding in the back of that crowd, peeking around the corner at what's going on. This is all messed up. And then you watch that happen, and then you watch him drag that cross through those streets, up on top of that hill, and they drop it in the hole as he hangs on it. They've driven the nails through his arms and his feet, and he hangs there with that crown of thorns, and the blood drips out of him until he dies. They take him off that cross and they put him in a tomb and he's dead. And you step back and you look at that little piece of time and those things that have happened, and you go, Why, God? What are you thinking here? I don't I'm not getting this. What how does this all work out? This is not what we had planned. This this shouldn't work. What are you doing? But yet we zoom back and we see the big picture of what God's doing. And we realize that in that moment when Jesus was, was stripped of his flesh and hung on that cross and he went into that tomb, there was never a moment when God was more in control in accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish throughout all of history than in that moment, in that place, and in that brokenness. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's the kind of God that can take the evil of the cross and of a lashing and of a thug-like pilot, of government gone bad, and all the things that were wrong with that. There were, there were all kinds of things about that whole story where evil was, was totally a part of everything that was happening there. Yet God took it, turned it, accomplished His work, defeated Satan and reigns supreme and glorious over it all in the long run. That's the kind of God we serve. That's who He is. And He does it again and again and again and again. And so the Muslim mother who is pregnant, who dies, I don't get it. I don't understand how that can be good or how God can... It's not good, but how God will cause good to come from it I don't have the answer to that, but I do know God. I have seen Him, and I know what He's like. And even though I'm confused, I'm trusting. I know what He did with Jesus. I don't know what He's doing here, but it's going to be okay. He's he's in control. And I trust Him. And that's the kind of thing that we as believers need to practice over and over again, because that's what living in this life is all about. It's it's a test. It's a test of our faith, our test of our trust in Him. And we need to keep practicing that, remembering that. And so we need to be reminded that we too will perish. We need to live as though this is our last day, because it very well could be. We need to live in obedience and faithfulness and... Uh, keeping our mind to what is my purpose, what is it I'm supposed to do, and do that, stick with it, don't get caught up into the materialism and all the things that drag us away. Remember, life is short. This is a good reminder. And number two, it's okay to question God, to wrestle with the problem of evil that, that uh, is around us. And, but, but wrestle with God and His Word on it, honestly with Him. Let Him teach you in the midst of it. And He will help you through it. We are reminded that our hope is not in human technology. It's not in the comfort that we've found as Americans. We need to be real careful about that. And I think that's happened in part to remind us that it's not trustworthy. Trust in God. And then we need to learn from the cross that God is the kind of God that takes evil. The evil that is in our life, all the bad things. If we trust Him, He will take those things and He will turn them around and He will cause them to work together for good in our lives. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and what He has done. Meditate on it. Think about it and apply it to our lives. And then lastly, we need to be like Job and that we need to surrender to Him. The last chapters of Job... uh, Job has come to this point where I think, just as I said, he has seen God and now it's okay. And he says as he replies to God, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? And surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. And you said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. And then Job said, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before You and that is exactly what we do. We surrender to You. As we look at You and as we meditate and think about what You did on that cross and what that means to us, and the more we ponder it and the more we think about it and the more we look into it, the more we come to the point where we say, no, it's okay. a lot of things I don't get and I, I, I need to talk to you about them, but it's okay. I trust you because I know you. I don't get those things, but I know you. And it's okay. Lord Jesus, thank you. It's in your name. We pray.